a reading from Luke chapter 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house and so came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay, back, pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, said Jesus. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman came from and from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven a little, loves a little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I wonder what your answer would be if I asked you the question, do you love God? Maybe it would be a straight yes or no. Uh, perhaps maybe you'd want to question whether or not God existed before you could begin to think about whether or not you loved him. But if you said, yes, I love God, then I guess my next question is, what does that mean? What does it mean to love God? Is it a desire to worship or to do the will of God? Is it simply some kind of positive emotion towards God? Does it have something to do with the Bible or being in a relationship perhaps? And then, and then what if you can say, yes, I love God, and you can explain what it means for you to love God? Then I guess my final question for you would be, at any given moment, what determines the depth of your love for God. So, I mean, do you, do you love God more or less depending on how you're feeling? Do you love him more when life is good and less when life is more rubbish? Now, of course, um, th there isn't really any easy answer to any of those questions. Um, love is probably both the simplest and most complicated thing uh, all wrapped up in one. You know, there's a reason why more books have been written and films produced about it than probably anything else. And, well, I guess why not? You know, love is important to all of us, isn't it? You know, whoever we are. 
But for us as Christians, love should be central to who we are. You know, God is love and we're made in his image. God is love and we're called to to show and share that love with others. And so all these questions about what love is and what determines the depth of our love are actually, I think, really quite important questions for us. In the reading we just heard, Jesus tells us that our ability to love, our ability to, to love God and to show that love to others actually comes from our forgiveness because the freedom of forgiveness enables us to love without limits. So in the story we just heard, there are two very different people, aren't there? On the one side, you've got Simon, he's a Pharisee, um, and there are loads of people and they're all at his house for dinner. On the other side, you've got the woman. Now she's also at the dinner party, but uh, she has not been invited. She's there because she snuck past the guards to get in. On this side, you've got Simon. He's wealthy, he's religious, he's a well thought of member of society. On this side, you've got the woman who is unimportant. Do you know, so unimportant we don't even know her name. We do know that she's a sinner. We don't know what she's done, but we know that she's done enough to get herself a reputation as a sinner. And well, we know that Jesus says to her that her sins were many. So, you know, Um, and on this side, you've got Simon who prided himself on keeping strict rules and religious customs, you know, like the ones where you make sure that sinners are kept out of your dinner parties. And on this side, we've got the woman who is vulnerable and authentic and who, as we're going to find out, loves Jesus without holding back. And those are just the obvious differences between them. Um, But I think to truly understand the difference between these two people, we've got to start um, at the end of the story and work backwards a bit. So, Simon's having a meal at his house with all these people and Jesus is there and this woman turns up and she causes a scene. I mean, she must have done. We are told that she cried enough to wet Jesus's feet with her tears. Now, I do not believe there is any way on earth that you can cry that much and do it quietly, okay? (laughs) So, uh, Simon, well, Simon must have been mortified by this. Like he's hosting this meal. He's showing off to Jesus and to everyone else. He's doing everything properly. He, he's just, you know, he's there. And this woman turns up and she threatens to ruin it all. You know, this is the kind of social faux pas that Simon could do without. And Simon, when this woman shows up, well, he expects Jesus to react to her by literally chucking her out on her ear by sending her away, keeping her away from the civilised, nice people, sending her back outside where she belongs. And when it doesn't happen, Simon, I don't think, is impressed. We're told, you know, he thinks that if this man is a prophet, then then he'll throw her out. Or And, and you see, what Simon's problem was, was he thought that he knew the mind of Jesus. And it's at this point that I just kind of want to go, Simon, 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 rookie mistake. Don't ever think you know what Jesus is thinking. Never underestimate Jesus. Because you see, when he thought he knew what Jesus was thinking, when he thought he knew what Jesus would do, what Simon was actually doing was limiting the way that he viewed the world. And because of that, actually, he's missing out. 
a long time ago now uh, when we were still in Bristol and um, I was working with a church and we felt that God had quite clearly shown us a school and uh, I thought you know that God wanted us to go and work in this school and uh, so I set about doing the things that you do I made contact and we got into the school we did some lessons we did some assemblies we helped out the school with all the kind of stuff that you do and to be honest I felt pretty good about it you know I presumed that when God had shown us that school he wanted us to do schools work in it and we were doing that big check in the box pat on the back well done me but but then to cut a really long story short I was I was chatting to the head teacher one day and we were just talking about all the different stuff that we were doing and and that we'd done since I arrived. And out of the blue, the head teacher kind of said, yeah, yeah, it's all great, this." He said, but to tell you the truth, he said, it's funny, because I thought when you were going to come here, you were just going to come and plant a church in the school. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, we can do that too. And we did. But the point was that when God showed me the school, I just presumed I thought I knew what he wanted us to do. And I mean, there was nothing wrong with what we were doing. It was good but we were missing out on something that could have been and was so much bigger and better because I thought I knew the mind of Jesus. I thought I knew, presumed what he wanted. Simon was was doing okay, but because he thought he knew the mind of Jesus, he was actually missing out on being able to live in freedom. And so to make his point, Jesus tells Simon this story. He, you know, there are two people. One's got a little debt. One's got a big debt. Both gets get forgiven or cancelled. Jesus says to Simon, um, who loves more? Big debt or little bit debt? Big forgiveness, little forgiveness. And Simon's no fool, you know. He knows the right answer. And he says, well, you know, the big one. But for Simon... The problem is, is that that sadly he doesn't realise his own need for forgiveness. And that's what's holding him back from having this new way of life. You know, in saying big sin, Jesus isn't rating sin. You know, sin is sin is sin. But what he's saying is, is that the person who recognises the enormity of what it means to be forgiven is the person who loves more because it's it's that that causes them to, to love differently. You know, both Simon and the woman loved Jesus, but the woman understood the enormity of what it means to be forgiven. And that enabled her to love in complete freedom. I mean, just just for a minute, look with me at the kind of freedom that this woman has. You know, she has the freedom to love without holding back. She is the extravagant outcast. You know, she's a poor sinner and yet there she is pouring expensive uh, perfume onto Jesus's feet. She is freely giving the best of what she has. You know, she knows that God deserves our best. When we recognise what it means to be forgiven, we have the freedom to give God the best of our best. She has the freedom not to care what other people think. You know, this woman is incredibly vulnerable. She could be thrown out and and beaten she's already being talked about and judged by everybody and she doesn't care her only focus is Jesus her forgiveness has given her the freedom to just be fully alive fully present fully herself and her forgiveness gives her the freedom to love and to serve Jesus with this childlike abandon not worrying about what anybody else thought 
And trust me, I know that's hard. I mean, honestly, if I if if my adult self had told my teenage self that kind of I would one day be running around a park dressed as a superhero in the hope that some kids would learn about Jesus, I would never have believed it. But my teenage self wasn't free. And and that's the kind of thing that we can do when we have the freedom that forgiveness gives us. And you know, I think I think our problem is that when we often think about forgiveness, we we approach it in our humanness and this kind of human psychological kind of sense. And it and it means that often we associate forgiveness with the past and with other people. And and so often we we let those things that we need to be forgiven for define us. We remember it. We think about it. We we let it hold us back, even though there's nothing we can do to change it. And yet here's the thing. When we are forgiven by Christ, we are justified by him. Justified means just as if it never happened. The woman refuses to be bound by her past, by her reputation or by other people because she knows that forgiveness from Christ means that she's justified. It is just as if her sins never happened. And because of that, she is free to live without restrictions. The freedom of Christ's forgiveness means that we can live differently. We do not need to be bound to our past or to to the judgment of others. But also that that freedom, it gives us a freedom to forgive others. Just as we are forgiven by Jesus, so he calls us to, to forgive others. We cannot truly live in forgiveness if, or in freedom, sorry, if we are bound by our unforgiveness to other people. And that can take time and it can be hard and, and we need Jesus to, to help us do that. But without it, we can't be truly free. I'm, I'm not going to get into details, but years ago, and I mean years ago, before I met Kai, before I had ever thought about full-time ministry, um, I was wronged. And it sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? I know. But as a result, I lost my job. I lost my home. I lost a ton of my friends. And as time went on, do you know, I thought I was okay. But every now and again, do you know, I'd be taken back to that place. My mind would go back there and the, and the hurt and the upset and the anger, they were all still there. And, and I knew, I knew I needed to forgive the people who were involved. But if I'm honest, I didn't want to because, because I kind of thought that if I forgive them, then it was like I was saying that what they had done was okay and it wasn't. And it took me such a long time to really hear what God was saying to me. And and he was saying to me this, he was basically saying, it's not about them, it's about you. And it's about you having the freedom to move on and to step into what I've got in store for you. And honestly, my, my life and my ministry really didn't take off until I'd forgiven them. Until I was free to love like Jesus was calling me to love. And this is so vital because it's because without forgiveness, you know, we're not free to be the people that God created us to be. The freedom in forgiveness is where we find our true identity in Christ. And it's, it's where we find the ability to love without limits, both love Jesus without limits and the people that he's called us to serve. Shall we just pray together? Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God of love and forgiveness. 
Father, it's just so easy for us often to sit here and to fight, point the finger at others. And, you know, so I, I pray that each of us would just recognise our own need for forgiveness and to recognise the enormity of, of what that means for us. And in just a moment of quiet, let's, let's each just bring our, our need for forgiveness before God. Father, we thank you that when we come to you we, and, the, and we're truly sorry, you always forgive us. Thank you that we are justified in you. But Lord, in our humanness, that's just so hard to get our heads around. Father, help us to truly understand um, that in you, when we are forgiven, it is just as if it never happened. Help us, Lord, when we need it. Help us to let go of the guilt and, and to forgive ourselves. Father, each of us comes before you um, and we will all have things and people that we've been hurt from, perhaps in the past or, or perhaps situations that are going on right now. And again, in, in just a moment of quiet, let's bring those situations to God. Father, we ask that in these situations, in the situations where we need to forgive, that you would help us to let go of, of any anger and resentment and pain and help us to forgive others. Father, as we accept our forgiveness from you and seek to forgive others, we pray that it would change us, that we would have the freedom to love and serve you in joy and, and with reckless abandon. May we be people, Lord, who live in the kind of freedom that only comes from you, the freedom that sees lives changed by your love and for the good of your kingdom. Amen.